Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. The final one of the semester. Hey, at the beginning of the semester, we actually issued a challenge uh, to everyone in the room to memorize some or all of the Sermon on the Mount. Some of you accepted the challenge to memorize a passage in Matthew chapter 5 about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And others of you accepted a challenge to memorize a few passages, one from Matthew 5, one from Matthew 6, and one from Matthew 7. And to those of you who did that, I want to say good job, great job, actually, for taking the words of Jesus and hiding them in your heart that you might know him more. The third challenge was to memorize the Sermon on the Mount in its entirety. No doubt a tough challenge. Um, And to those of you who worked on this challenge, I want to say, well done. I'm proud of you. It is a tough challenge. There are four of your peers who completed this challenge to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. And as I say your name, if you would come join me on stage, Bethany Brummett, Logan Ragsdale, Ryan Wickenkamp, and Evan Garrison, if you guys would come on up here. You guys, you guys come on up here to the front. So um, we want to present you, Peyton and I want to present you with these certificates for your hard work and achievement in memorizing uh, the Sermon on the Mount. For those of you who didn't do the math like I did, that's one sermon, three chapters, 107 verses, 2,500 words, and 10,000 red letters of Jesus that these guys committed to memory. And girl, not just guys, this girl too. Um, So it's a huge accomplishment. And what I love more than just them uh, taking the time, literally so much time, time before school, in the car, one of us on stage did the whole thing in the shower. I won't tell you who that one was, but um, it's not, it's weird. It's me, yeah. Um, So anyways, uh, what I love most about these guys is that they they did not do it for the recognition uh, they did it to humbly know God more and to commit his word uh, to their heart and to their mind. And, uh, but as your youth group family, we want to commend those things that are good in uh, discipleship moments where you grow in the faith. And this is certainly one of those things. So to the four of you guys, well done. Let's give them one more round of applause. Thank you guys so much. So this is the last Wednesday night of the semester, and as many of you know, my last Wednesday night is one of your youth ministers. And what's fitting for tonight is that we're going to be talking about the very last words that Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount, or Sermon on the Mount, rather. This is the last passage that Jesus spoke on before people would have packed their bags and headed down the mountain that day. Now, I know it took us a full semester to do so, about 15 weeks. It didn't take Jesus that long. Bethany and Evan can do it at their fastest just under 15 minutes, so maybe it took Jesus about that long to do it. We're a little bit slower than Jesus, and that is okay. But after he spoke on these, this topic at the end, um, they would have left the mountain, and some of them would have continued to follow him closely for years, mainly his disciples. Others of them would have seen him on occasion, and some probably never saw him again, which makes the final words that he said that much more powerful. These are words that we should grab onto and live our lives by. Now, I don't mean to insinuate that this is going to be the last time that I see any of you, um, except for maybe you seniors who are moving far away. I don't want to not see you anymore. 
But what I, what I mean to say is, is this. When one thing ends, it's time for another to begin. And I think that's the point of this last passage that Jesus is speaking when it comes to the Sermon on the Mount. This is what he said at the end of his sermon. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. The words that I'm going to say to you tonight as my final sermon to you as one of your youth pastors it's not something that I thought of on my own. I'm going to stick to the final words of Jesus that he spoke on that mountain tonight. And I want to talk about those words. The crowd had a response to the words of Jesus that I want to let you in on. And Matthew, the author of this gospel, the one who recorded the Sermon on the Mount for us, said this once the red letters of Jesus were finished. He said, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he had taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. The crowd was amazed at his authority. But we know something that that crowd on the mountain did not know, that that preacher did not just have authority as a teacher, but one day he would rise from the dead with all the authority of heaven and on earth and under the earth and sit down at the right hand of the Father in heaven to reign and to rule. And we know this is the authority that we get to trust. And we know that once one thing ends, another begins. This is to say that the sermon is over. Not my sermon, because that would be a very short sermon. Y'all know me. I don't preach that short of sermons. But Jesus' sermon is over. And it's time for obedience to begin. Because it's one thing to be amazed at the words of Jesus, but it's an entirely another thing to be obedient to the words of Jesus. Jesus did not want that crowd to leave the mountain that day with their jaws dropped and their eyes wide at the authority that he had, but his desire for the hearers of that word would be that they would be obedient to the words that he spoke. So it's time as well for us to be obedient to the words that he spoke. Let me read you the passage again there in Matthew, the last words that Jesus spoke in the sermon. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, I don't know if you've been in a scary storm before. I'm imagining that you have because we live in the area where the 2011 Joplin tornado happened, the 2019 Carl Junction Orinogo tornado happened, and I'm guessing that you have been in a storm before. If not a tornado, maybe you live somewhere on the coast and you experienced hurricanes or whatever, or maybe you just don't like the thunder and the rain. Maybe you've been in a storm before. 
Now, I don't know about you, but because we live in this tornadic world here in Missouri, that's the storm that I most sometimes get nervous about. But my philosophy uh, has changed since I was younger. When I was younger, I actually saw two tornadoes on the ground. They weren't big ones, but they were still powerful. When it comes to our reaction to tornadoes, there are really two types of people, the wise and the foolish. The wise seek shelter, the foolish go to the porch. You know what I'm saying? Who's a, who goes to shelter? Raise your hand. Now, who goes to the porch? All right. <laughs> foolish people. So foolish. So foolish. <laughs> when I was younger, I was a porch sitter. I would go out there and just look look up to the sky and see the power of the storm. But now as I've gotten older and a little bit wiser, I think, and I got wiser because I married a very wise woman who makes me be wise in these situations now. That's right. She's my, she's my honey boo-boo. Um, so, <laughs> so last night, you know. Uh, so we now... When we know that there's possibilities of tornadoes, uh, we do a few things. The first thing that we do is we check Facebook and we type in Doug Hetty to see what my main man Doug has to say. You know what I'm saying? Brought some memes of my boy Doug. Here's one. Doug Hetty doesn't talk about tornadoes. Tornadoes talk about Doug Hetty. Amen. And then, man, Doug Hetty, Missouri, we love him. We love him. And if Doug says to seek shelter, we pack up our bags, put them in the Jeep, and we go to the Web City High School because that's the nearest uh, tornado shelter to us. And we go there because we want to be safe. And we know that the tornado shelter that was built for this very purpose is safer than our house if a tornado um, were to hit. And we seek shelter there in the physical storms of life. The same is true for us in the emotional or spiritual storms of life as well. When your mom gets cancer or a friend dies or your relationships aren't going well, we seek counsel and advice from wise people. We go to people who are strong and steadfast, who we can trust. What I'm saying is this, the sermon is over and it's time for you to build a house. And you get to decide, are you gonna build a house on the rock that is sturdy or the sand that is shifting at the storms of life? Since our beginning, and I'm speaking about the people of God, since our beginning, we have been a people of the word, specifically God's word. We have tried to remember it, recite it, and repeat it. Psalm 119, the psalmist writes this, and I think it's imperative because he's talking to young people. And last time I checked, you are young people, even all of you leaders who are members of the AARP. But for those of you who are 16 and under, that's Association American, how, who is it? Retired people, right? It's retired people. Dave, you know what I'm saying? Bill Hubs, where are you? I need your help, buddy. There you go. Bill knows what I'm talking about. Oldest leader in the room, walked with Jesus. Bill was on the mountain that day. <laughs> just kidding. Bill, I'm sorry. It's my last one. I'm just, I love you. I love you so much. Anyways, back to the, uh, back to the sermon. Psalm 119, the psalmist is speaking about the word of God and our response to it. He writes this, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. He writes, I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth, and I rejoice in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. 
I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Words are important. Willie has started to say words, which is really cool. He has a few words that he says, not many. The two most common words that he says are dada and no. He has an attitude, a little bit of an attitude. Now, I love when Willie says dada, and he usually says it in a string, like da 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 And then he, like, throws something on the floor. But um, the other word he most commonly says is no. And it really bugs me when he says no. And I know it bugs Andrea when he says no because he probably knows this word because we say that word so many times to him and we've repeated it so many times to him that he's just learned it over and over again. The only time that I really think it's funny is when he says it to my mom, which is hilarious because I can't tell my mom no, right? But he can tell his grandma no because what's she gonna do, spank an 11-month-old? No. So one time he was walking in this like little water. He was pushing this little walker and she goes down to pick him up. He put up his hand and said no, like that. And she was like, okay. And then tried to pick him up again. He goes, no, like that. It was awesome. It was awesome. But I, Willie knows Dada because I try to get him to say Dada all of the time. I've even read him this book by Jimmy Fallon called um, Dada. Your baby's first word will be Dada. And I owe Jimmy Fallon a lot of money because it did work. Andrea got the mama book and it didn't work. He has to say mama a little bit, but he says Dada um, way more. And it's awesome. But it's important for us to teach him words that he grows. And the same is, is true for us as believers, to know the word of God, not just to learn words, but to repeat them and to remember them so that we can not just be amazed at them, but be obedient to them. And just like Willie has remembered and repeated the simplest of words, we ought to remember and be obedient to the words of our Lord. For not only will our outcome be a life that is built on the rock, starting when the storms come, but our humble obedience to the word brings a great joy to our heavenly Father. So let me ask you, how do you want to build your house? How do you want to build your life? I know there are some of you in the room because I've talked to you, some of you recently who have never decided to follow Jesus before. You've never decided to even start building a house on the rock. And tonight, if you would like to consider doing that, I want to encourage you to talk to that leader after this sermon is over when we go out into our D group time. Talk to them about what it means to turn away from your life of sin and turn towards Jesus and be baptized into his death and resurrection to begin to live today and forevermore a life and life to the fullest. And there are others of you who have decided to build your house on the rock that is Jesus and his word. You decided to start building your life on that rock. But sometimes the storms come and sometimes we can be distracted by things in our lives. So I wanna go through some of the words that Jesus has spoken in this very sermon. And I want us just to evaluate our life based on that word. And I doubt that any of us get a perfect score, but here's our aim always and forever to live our life on Jesus' word, not on the word of the world, but to know him more and be more obedient to him. So I wanna run through those 107 verses real quick. Not every one of them, because it would take a long time for me to do it. But I want to run through and let you just evaluate your life based on it. his word as a refresher for this semester. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Does your stomach growl and is your mouth parched to know God and be more like him? If it is, then trust his word that you will be filled. And if it's not, then know that you will be empty with whatever you try to fill your heart with. Are you letting your light shine so that others may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven? I know you guys, I know a lot of you guys do good deeds. I think one of the things I want you to evaluate is do you do it for your own glory or for God's glory? 
Remember, we're not trying to let our light shine for ourselves so that others see us, but trying to let our light shine so that others see God. Are you taking the time to settle the beef you have with other people, or are you living in tension with those other people? Sure, it's easy to love your friend, but are you loving your enemy? Have you shared something with someone lately? Are you walking in purity, or are you still lusting after others and viewing pornography? When you pray fast and give to the needy, are you doing it so that others see you? Let me repeat what Jesus said about the hypocrites. Truly, I tell you, you have received your reward in full. When we do things to be noticed by other people, we will be rewarded for what we want, but not for what we need, an eternal reward from our Father in heaven. So know this, friend. When you practice the disciplines of our faith for an audience of one, you will be rewarded eternally. And the temporary pleasure that we would receive if we did it for the audience of the world pales in comparison to what our God has planned for us for eternity. Are you worried lately? If so, cast your gaze to the skies and see the birds of the air. For your heavenly Father cares for them. And if he cares for them, then he cares so much more for you. And now cast your gaze to the fields and look at the beautiful wildflowers there. They do not labor or spin or work to be beautiful. And not even King Solomon, the richest man in all the world, even on his best day, was ever as beautiful as one of these flowers. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But know this, our God holds the future in his hands, for he is the narrow gate. Jesus Christ, our Savior. Follow the world and you will find yourself on a path that only leads to destruction, but follow him, that preacher on the mountain, and you will find life and life to the fullest this day and forevermore. So what say you? Where will you build your life? Where will you build your house? On the rock that is firm or on the shifting sand that is here today, but tomorrow blown away by the storm? Or will you build your life on the word of Jesus Christ, who was there when God first spoke heaven and earth into existence. Will you trust the world in its temporary power or the God who reigns over kings and kingdoms? Will you trust the world that is entranced by Satan or will you follow the one who does not wish to steal, kill, and destroy, but who laid down his life for you that you might find life in him? Or will you trust the world that is dying or trust the King of kings and Lord of lords who was risen from the grave and now seated at the right hand of God with all authority and all power? Who will you trust? Where will you build? This is your life. Are you gonna keep it? Are you gonna give it to God? This is my last sermon to you as one of your youth pastors. As I stand here, I know one thing is true. I want all of you to build your life on the rock. I want all of you to trust the word that God has for you and live in obedience to his word, not just to be amazed at him. For yes, he is truly amazing. But what he is amazed at is our faith and our trust and obedience to him. What I know is true is that my desire does not determine your choice. For this is your life, not mine. We each make our own choices of where we will build our life, who we will trust, what we will do. And I've been in this room and in that room, and I've had the desire for more people than just in this room. 
they too would build their life on the word of the Lord. And some of them do. Trying to live in obedience to what Jesus has to say and others do not. And I know that even in this room, there may be some who leave here today and begin to build their life and continue the next day and the day after that to build their life on the word of the Lord. And others may not. But what I know is true is this. My desire does not determine your choice. You make that choice. And it's obvious, I hope, that you would know that I would desire for you to live your life in obedience to the word of the Lord. But what I know is, is true of this room is what was true of the people on that mountain. They got to go home that day and they got to choose, am I going to follow Jesus in these words that he spoke or am I going to follow my own way? And I beg of you, follow Jesus. I beg of you, follow Jesus. But even if not, then know this. If you don't hear anything else tonight, I want you to hear this. I will always love you. And it's been my joy and honor to be your youth pastor. And when one thing ends, it's time for another to begin. It's time for you to build your life on the word of the Lord. Father, I'm grateful for the years that I got to spend here. I'm grateful for the time that I got to speak to these guys when they were seventh and eighth grade, some of them even in fifth and sixth grade. Father, I'm grateful for the leaders in this room who have directed them in obedience to the word of the Lord. Father, I'm grateful for their continuation of discipling the young people in this room, and I ask that you would continually bless them with wisdom and truth and grace. Father, I ask that this would be a youth group that is continually dedicated to your word and being obedient to it, living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I ask that as this sermon wraps up, that you would allow us to have a response that would bring glory to you and good to this world. For the sermon is over and it's time for us to choose whether or not we're going to live in obedience to you. And Father, my humble prayer is that you would help me to and that you would help my friends to do so as well. And Father, help us to see Jesus more clearly. Help us to be obedient to him. And Father, help us to do it this day and forevermore. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.